Now, before I get to today's message, I, I think a good thing is to kind of talk about what is Advent. Is it just a name for Christmas sermons? Is it a name for a chocolate once-a-day calendar? Yeah, where do we get the, um, yeah, the, the name Advent? It's actually a season of liturgical preparation or a season in which the church, the global church, prepares for Christmas. It's one in which it's a time for contemplation on a series of themes. The word Advent itself comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming or arrival. And used in this context, it's referring to Christ's coming in three different ways. The first, his physical arrival or birth in the nativity. Second, his arrival in our hearts as believers. And then thirdly, it's his Christ's second coming. In uh, the Advent season, and this Advent series, we'll be going through a series of themes and topics, which helps prepare us to remember the importance of the coming of Christ. And these themes will be hope, peace, joy, and love. Today, I will be teaching on the topic of hope. And, yep, hope seems like a very fitting topic this time of year. It's seen by many to be the season of hope. You can look all around you, and there's kind of, yeah, different representations of hope, discussions of hope, songs about hope. You can even just look on the TV. Look at all the Christmas commercials which are coming out this time of year. The kindness hidden in people around us. A stranger doing a random act of kindness. Or what about going through a difficult time and yet the, the warm Christmas with your family is the answer to your problems. Or what about a hope for a delicious Christmas feast. Or hope that you'll receive the perfect gift. Or your loved ones will find that you gave them the perfect gift. And what about the most recent Netflix or Hallmark movies? The cookie-cutter plots always leaving you with a sense of hope that happily ever after is just one twist of fate away, whether it's amnesia, being stuck in a small town, or being confused for royalty. The fairy tale ending is inevitable. In the real world, we can hope and with expectation look to Christmas with the family. But does it leave, live up to our expectations? Does life reflect the commercials and Christmas movies? After the big day comes, there's the post-Christmas drop in emotions. If you build up the day so big, if you build a holiday as the solution to your problems, how can it not disappoint? If we are expecting fairy tale endings to like, arise as a result of Christmas, or like the celebration of Christmas, our holidays, we'll be obviously disappointed as well. Things really, really look like a blue, blue Christmas if we turn on the news and see what our world's like in this Christmas season. Just look at environmental and climate damage. Look at poverty, economic crises, look at health crises and famine, wars, conflict, 
politics scandals. What hope do we have in a world like this? And we can even look at ourselves, and even more personally. There, there are seasons in my life in which I've struggled with a lack of hope as a result of anxiety and depression. While there are many features of the world today within our lives which do not inspire hope, our emotions can create the circumstances for hopelessness. That even if I remember back to times in my life where the circumstances of my life were not hopeless, yet I still had the emotions of dread, fear, and hopelessness. It's difficult when the sense of dread and expectation of bad outcomes or events being around the corner is not seemingly tied to what's happening around us. I know there are many here who relate to the difficulties of mental health challenges and emotions which do not line up with hope. How do we have hope when we are hopeless? In this environment of threats, fear, and uncertainty, what do you put your hope in? Is it society and progress that we can make a change as a people? Or is it family and friends? Just if you have that loving community, everything's going to be all right. Or what about yourself, your abilities, your attainment of power, your wealth, and the supposed security it brings? How about the right answer? Hope in Christ. If I were to hand out a multiple choice quiz, I think the Sunday, this Sunday school answer would be the most popular choice, whether it's reflected in our lives or not. Let's set that aside for now. But what do we mean by that answer, hope in Christ? What does it really mean? both biblically, like how is hope represented in the Bible, but also practically, what does this hope look like applied in our lives? And this is the question that this teaching will focus on today. And in order to inform this and try to answer this question, I'll be reading uh, a verse from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 9, 6-7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and, up to, and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This verse is a prophecy in the Old Testament, in which God spoke through a prophet named Isaiah, over seven centuries before the birth of the child in which this verse was prophesying about. And what does this verse say about the coming Christ, our Savior? Number one, the birth would be a miracle the Son of God, born as man, a child born whose name would be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It would be a virgin birth in which the Son of God, part of the Holy Trinity, would become a man. Secondly, this would be a transformative, unstoppable effect. The prophecy says that the governments shall be on his shoulders. We see this also described later in the New Testament Gospels, Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and said to them, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus would not be constrained by the governments and powers of the day. He would follow the will of his Father, and no force would be able to stop it. Another feature that we see in this prophecy is that his birth is a gift. For to us a child is given, to us a son is given. Our Savior was given to us freely. These are really big things that we are, are promised, that were promised in this prophecy. A miraculous birth with a revolutionary impact will be given to Israel and humanity. This is transformative. And an important thing to look at is what is the response to such a message? A, a good way at understanding both the, the, the response there was and the response today is to look at the context in which this prophecy was made. This verse was written over 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus, in a time in which Israel was in a state of disobedience. Uh, over the many centuries and over the, throughout the Old Testament, Israel had gone through generations and eras in which they drifted away from God and began to worship idols and do a variety of activities in which were disobedient to God. And as a result, Israel repetitively experienced punishments in which God allowed as a result of their disobedience, mostly in the form of other empires conquering them. And in this case, it would be the Assyrian Empire, a brutal and terrifying military empire which would terrorize the region for about 70 years. And during this difficult season of despair, this is then when God would provide the message of hope. Prophecy is closely tied to hope. We see in the Bible that prophecy was truths of what God was going to do and which Israel could believe in. Many of the prophecies were about God's provision and deliverance. And in those cases, it was a message of hope. But Israel would often not listen to the messages in the time. And many of the prophets were actually killed for what they were saying. And yet it would still come to pass because it was the word of God. And these were messages in which Israel could put his hope in. But let's take a second to really think about this. In a time of disobedience, in a time in which Israel was experiencing punishment, that's when God brought this message of the ultimate hope. It's just like you're a parent, your children are playing Frisbee with your good chinaware, a bunch of them smash, you send them up to their room for, for um, some alone time, and during that you say, hey, we're going for ice cream later. You bring a message of hope during a punishment, during a time in which they're disobedient. For many parents, it doesn't really make sense in the moment, how we're trying to raise kids, but so much in the Bible, God provides mercies in which we do not deserve, mercies in which do not make sense, in a time in which Israel was disobedient, in a time where they weren't listening, experiencing a punishment, God still pointed them towards the amazing thing he was going to do. 
And as a result of this message of hope, Israel, for centuries after this, would look towards hope in a Savior, even though not fully understanding what it meant or what he would look like, this prophecy would still point Israel towards the coming Savior. And this was the context in which Israel was under a heel of a conqueror, and yet God still provided the prophecy of hope. Another important context to look at is what was Israel like in the time in which Jesus was born? Now, it's time to get to the nativity. Finally, the message is starting to sound like an Advent sermon. What was Israel at the, like at the time in which Jesus was born? You'll notice a number of similarities to the time in which the prophecy was given. Israel had continued its pattern of disobedience, drifting away from God, and as a result, God allowed Israel to be conquered. And in this time, it was the Roman Empire in which would conquer them. Additionally, they were led by an evil king, King Herod, who would go on to kill every young boy the age of Jesus uh, because he saw the infant Jesus as a threat to him. Throughout the history of Israel, God delivered his people time and time again, and yet Israel continuously rebelled and was allowed to suffer deservingly as a result of their rebellion. Now this time, though, God's deliverance wouldn't come in the form of a political or military uh, change. He was freeing, not uh, just freeing them from a terrifying empire, rather he was providing a solution to Israel and all of mankind's ultimate problem. In this time, Israel had hope, yet they had an incorrect understanding of what to hope for. At this time, they were hoping for that their savior would be some sort of political or military hero, but he'd be something different. And even if they were wrong in what they were hoping for, it was still good to hope in God, despite the circumstances. They had hope of the deliverance in a time of perceived hopelessness, that God was giving them or would provide for them again. But what they didn't see in the time was it being the ultimate provision, him sending his son. And going back to the previous analogy where of parenting, what's happening in this moment with Christ actually coming and his provision would be like your children throwing the plates around, smashing it, and then while they're going to the room for a timeout, you give them ice cream in that moment. It just doesn't make sense in the moment of dis- in our worldly sense. In this moment of disobedience, in the moment in which they're experiencing the punishment, you're still providing them the amazing gift. How undeserving we are, how incredible God's mercy is, it's so hard to fathom if we think of it in the worldly sense. It's good to hope not in our ability or our goodness, but rather in the faithfulness of God. The one who delivered his people time and time again and when Israel and mankind, and mankind as a whole, was in a state of disobedience, he promised the solution to the separation between Israel or mankind and God. This is the message of hope in this season. That the truth in the prophecy 
is no longer an event in which is to come, but rather now has occurred with the birth, death, and resurrection of Christ. We can have hope in salvation, a gift from God through Christ his Son. We can have freedom from our punishment. Our Savior Jesus' power transcends all and even transcends the punishment we deserve. We can have permanent deliverance and peace. Now, how does this have an effect in our lives? Firstly, we can walk with confidence of our eternal position. We are saved from the punishment we deserve, that there's hope after our life. There's also hope in this life for God's transformative work in us, in our hearts and in our lives. Our God has a desire to refine us. Our God has a desire to change us, to draw us closer to him, that he has a desire for us to break away from our sinful habits and sinful patterns. And this can be a long process, and truthfully, one that never truly ends in this lifetime. But it is miraculous what he does. It's miraculous that the changes he can do in us through the renewing in our mind and through the work of the Holy Spirit, that we can exude the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How impactful can these be in your lives, in your relationships, in your community? Furthermore, God is able to have a transformative impact in your material life, in your relationships, in your families, in your community, in your workplace. It is good to turn to God with these things. Rather than worrying about it, stewing about it, you can turn to the God who loves you, who has a desire to do amazing things through you and around you. God can heal you. God can provide for you. God can change hearts. God can repair relationships and does. He does all these things. He desires for you to turn to him in these challenges. He can change your circumstances. But more importantly, he can change your heart and refine you through the circumstances and through the prayer with him. Now, while he can do all this, how does hope look for in our lives, worked out with us knowing all this? I can think back to a previous very difficult season in my life that yeah, kind of thinking back and kind of the seasons after, I really learned a lot about hope. And it was a season in which I had just finished my master's. I thought I had a job lined up, and it fell apart, and it took forever to search for jobs post-school. I was extremely burnt out. I was having some health problems, and a family member very close to me passed away suddenly. It was a very difficult season. And in that season, I remember how kind of Hope looked like holding on to the truth that God is good, knowing it, saying it out loud, even though in the moment I wasn't feeling it, extremely down, having feelings of hopelessness, yet tears running down my face, saying that God is good and holding on to it. But now looking back, seeing how God used that season, how he transformed me, he transformed my heart, changed the way I prayed, changed what I prayed for, grew me. I can see and know that God is good. Not only that, he changed the material circumstances as well. Out of nowhere, an incredible job came 
uh, yeah, to me, not by my own work, but his incredible provision. Uh, he healed me from burnout. And in so many ways, I saw how he was faithful. And it changes the way I have hope now and look forward. That I've seen how God was faithful in this season. I see what God was doing in it, even in the moment when I didn't see it, even when the moment it didn't make sense back then, God was working, which makes it a lot easier to have a sense and a feeling of hope looking forward. I've seen how God has been faithful. I know he is doing good. I know he will do good. There's still times where, you know what, the emotions don't match what I know. There's still times in which hope might look by holding on and saying what is true, even though you might not feel in the moment. But which, with each season, each time I look back and am thankful for what God has done, it's a lot easier to look forward and to have hope for what he'll be doing. We can look at the Bible as well, look throughout it on how he was faithful when Israel and humanity was not God was so merciful and so kind, providing us so much more than we deserve. It makes it a lot easier looking forward and knowing, God, you are good. I don't see it in the, I might not always see in the moment how it's going to turn out, but I know you are, you have a good will. You're turning these things for my good. I might not see it now, but it's a lot easier when looking back looking back how God has been faithful for you, how God has provided. God is able to change your circumstances. Reach out, rely on God, pray for things, have an expectation that he can change your communities, he can change your families, he can do a work where you think is hopeless. Turn to him, he is good. He is good. 